If you've got your Bibles here with you, can you please turn to the book of Luke, chapter 8. And for the second time, let's read Luke 8, 40 to 56, please. Luke 8. Luke 8, 40 to 56. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at his feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. Kim James' way of, of saying she was dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Luke found something interesting to talk about, a 12-year-old girl and a woman suffering for 12 years. Hmm. Came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitudes throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that, the vir that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hit, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. That is the little young girl, 12 years of age. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. That means they made fun of him. Knowing that she was dead. 
they thought he was ridiculous. Kind of a strange man, this, this. Verse 54. And he put them all, and he, verse 54, take note of that. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. Hmm. In other Gospels, it says, Talita Kumi. And her spirit came again, and she arose straight away. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Glory be to God for the second reading of the scriptures. Say to yourself, I have not come this far just for things. And if you can quietly, in a very modest way, tell the person sitting next to you, a meter away from you, tell them, I have not come this far just for things. Praise God. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for the entrance of your word. Give it light. May your name be praised. Amen. Hmm. Those of us who know God, who love God and serve God, and you know we respond to the call of God, and for that matter, I am speaking to all of us here in this room who respond to God. We love the idea of being able to achieve things by the power of God. When we are able to do something, when we, when we feel and we sense the energy of God and we are able to, you know, get things done and the praise, all the praise go to God, we are excited, we are glad. And we say, wow, hallelujah, God is good. We rejoice at those things. But the truth is this, God seeks more than just helping us to achieve things. God seeks more. You see, our faith needs to do more than achieve things. Hello. Let me put it this way. Our faith should cause us to engage with God in fellowship. Okay. The Bible says, they that come to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is one thing to believe God, have faith in God, that he will do certain things for you. But it is another level when because of your faith in him, you engage with him as a living being for fellowship. It's a different thing altogether. When the faith in you knows that I need to, you know, when you, when, when you trust God just to get things, God becomes like some powerful force which you just draw upon just for things. 
But when you now engage him on a personal level in what we call relationship, faith, faith means you trust that he's a living being. That he's not a dead something. He's not, he's not just power. He's not just source. He's not just mighty force somewhere. He's not just energy that you draw strength from to do what you want to do. But you see him as a living being. If he's living being, then faith requires action. And the action is fellowship and relationship. So when a person relates to God as a living person that he engages with, He goes beyond the normal. Hallelujah. When our faith goes beyond seeking for things to seeking fellowship and relationship and relationship with God, he reveals himself to us. I'll say it again. When our faith goes beyond seeking things to seeking fellowship and relationship with God, he reveals himself to us. So, why do we say this? This is what brings us to Luke chapter 8. We've looked at this text before. But there are two persons in this text. Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. We look at the woman and we come back to Jairus. The scripture says, when Jesus got back from the other side of Lake Galilee, they rolled back or they sailed back. Some say to Capernaum or to Bethesda, but whatever, whatever it is, people were already waiting for him at the shore. Probably they saw the ship coming, coming back. So they were waiting for him. And among those that were waiting for him was Jairus. And when he arrives and Jairus encounters him, Jairus goes to him. It says he knelt down and he fell down. He fell down at the feet of Jesus and prayed him that he will come to his house. For what reason? The reason he requested this was because his one and only daughter. Who is just 10, who is 10, 12 years old, is about dying. So we see immediately a contrast between someone we had met in chapter 7, who was a centurion. When the centurion, who was not a Jew, of course, Jairus is a, is a, is a Jew. His, the, the name Jairus is a, is a Hebrew name, meaning he whom God enlightens. Someone that God enlightens. 
The centurion said to Jesus, Jesus, don't come to my house. Just speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. But Jairus is asking the master to journey and come home to touch the daughter. Interesting. One more thing about Jairus. Jairus also, we are told, is a ruler of the synagogue. Ruler of the synagogue is the person, is the chief person who mans the synagogue. Or it could be that he's sometimes the ruler of the synagogue was not necessarily the person who manned the synagogue, but someone who has donated large sums of money to the world keeping of the synagogue and is very prominent in the, in the society. He could be one of them. He comes to Jesus and says, Come to my home and heal my daughter. But the question is, why doesn't Jairus exercise the same faith that a centurion exercised? A centurion, one that was not necessarily a Jew, And his faith was such that even Jesus commented on it. That wow, I have not seen such faith in Israel. Then he said, don't come to my home. I'm not worthy. Don't come. Just speak your word only. So why doesn't Jairus, who belongs to the household of Abraham, father of faith. Why doesn't he also talk like that? No, he doesn't. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. Because what Jairus has done is something different. Hallelujah. Now, Jairus is not doubtful. Hey, remember, faith requires what? Action. Faith requires action. And Jairus is not doubtful. He has left his home. He's come to the shore. To talk to the master. He's taking action. He's made steps. He wants healing for the daughter. And he's made, put in some action to see it done. He's not sitting at home daydreaming that the daughter will be healed by Jesus. By some, by some way of, oh God will just show mercy because I'm the seed of Abraham. So God will show mercy. No. He, makes, he leaves his home and comes to the shore to meet Jesus. To talk to him. Indicating that, yes, I really want to get healing for my daughter. He makes some steps. So, would we say he was doubtful? Would we say he didn't have faith? Why would we do that? When he's taking steps to see the healing of his daughter. But the point, I'll come back to this point. He doesn't need to express his faith just like the centurion. Actually, he goes beyond the centurion's faith. Why do I say this? Jairus wants something more than just healing for the daughter. Hallelujah. 
what Jairus asked for is a call healing plus. Jairus wants healing, yes, but he wants is healing plus. He wants something else. Something else that a centurion did not want and could not even think of. Could not even imagine. So, shut himself off. But Jairus opens himself up for that thing. What is it? Whatever he was asking for, so pleased Jesus, he did not say, I won't come. Look at the verse 42. The Bible said that Jesus was going to Jairus' house. He was going. He didn't say, you weak in faith. He responded. He responded. Jairus was asking Jesus to come home. Come home. Come home. Coming home indicates he's asking Jesus to come in for not just healing but fellowship. His faith was more than just asking for things. A faith that was calling the master to come inside. Come inside. I'm not just looking for healing. I'm looking for something more. Something more intimate. Want to relate with you. Want to have you under my roof. Wasn't it the same thing that Jesus did for Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus stood on a tree. To have a better sight. He said, no, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I will dine with you. Went to his home. Fellowship. Interaction. Intimacy. Relationship. Your faith. This morning, your question is this. Is it for things? Or your faith moves you for relationship? Does your faith draw you for fellowship with the Father? Does your faith draw you for intimacy with the Father? Without the church announcing prayer time, does your own personal faith draw you on your knees to relate with your Father in heaven? Do you move by yourself to pick up his word? And begin to study it. Begin to learn from it. Because the faith in you stirs you up. Want to know him. Or is it just faith for things? The centurion had that. It was powerful. But there's faith plus. I'm talking about the faith of Jairus. It's a faith that welcomes the master home. Praise God. You see... There's something else that we see here. Why is Luke telling us that the daughter was only 12 years of age? 12 years of age indicates that she had either just turned. She had either just turned the corner. Because age, anything below age 12, you are a minor. Which, which basically means you're not really considered for anything. And besides being a girl... A girl and a minor. So, she's 12, but she's a girl. 
So really, because so in that in that culture, it, it wasn't really any big thing. But hey, watch this. Jesus gives attention to the little girl to go and heal. I'm not sure what society wants you to think about yourself. But I've come to tell you that God's goodness, God's favor, and God's blessings does not know what men call valuable. As long as you are human, as long as you are made in the image of God, God Almighty has time and attention for you. If you sit here today, you want to comfort your soul. Because Luke is deliberately pointing to the fact that she is 12 years. She has, she has just come. She, she, she just turned the age of being a minor to, to 12. So that is fine. But she's still a girl. But Jesus went all the way to the house to heal her. Indicating that in God's eyes, there's no one called minor. Or no one called, oh, this is not, they're not, they're not essential, you know. They're not prominent in a, in, a, in, a, in a society. When you're on a deathbed, when you are when you are when you are stuck with some sickness, they will not decide. Is he living a good life? Is, it, is his life valuable? Should we keep him, him on, on, on the machine or turn it off? What benefit is he to society? Hey, as long as you're human, you have benefits to society. Because God put you here for a purpose. Someone hearing me. God put you here for a purpose. In Psalm 139, verse 14, I like what the psalmist says. Hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise thee, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Sometimes try this. Stand before your own mirror and say, hey, look, this is a woman of faith. This is a man of faith. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. What I'm basically saying is, minister to yourself. We are good and encouraging others. My Bible tells me at one time, David was about to be stoned. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. So sometimes do that. It helps. Hallelujah. Hmm. Look yourself right in the mirror and say, this is a man of faith. This is a woman of faith. And encourage yourself. Fearfully and wonderfully made. They say your, your nose is too thick. You say, ah, excellent. You see, you, you, see, you see, yours is too thin. I don't like it. Seriously, what gives you the boldness to, to, to tell me mine is thick? Yours is too light. Oh, you are too short. You are too tall for my liking. What am I saying? Value what God made you to be. Hallelujah. Accept it and rejoice in it. You are too tall. You are too short. You are too big. You are too thin. 
eat. Hello? Basically, accept what God, the features God has given you. Praise God. I'm not saying that if you are a thief, accept being a thief. But I'm talking about the physicality, your physiology. Your way of doing it. I mean, your, 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 your thinking, your, basically, who you are, as you, as you stand. Thank God for it. Accept it. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise God. So that is the case of Jairus. Puts in action, comes to Jesus. Request for something that on the surface looks like he hasn't got faith. But actually, he wants more than healing of the daughter. So, Jesus understood what the man was asking for. But you see, in verse 43 to 49... We see the woman with the issue of blood interrupts Jairus. Have you asked yourself why that interruption? And all the gospel writers give the same story. Why? Why is it that when Jairus is, go, is going to have his daughter healed, this woman interrupts? And guess what? When you decide that your faith is going to engage the master, you are going to get setbacks. You will face things that will try your patience. Hello? Things will try your patience. When you want to get intimate with the Lord, the moment you decide that you're going to go all out for the Lord, which I, which I trust God, that our hearts are yearning to know God deeply, Amen. you realize that you are facing certain challenges, drawbacks. Why is it that when you are not decided, you are fine? But now that you really want to engage the Lord, all kinds of things are just hindering you. Jairus wants the daughter healed. And the master comes home. So they are going. And here comes this woman with her trouble. When I say with her trouble, yes, indeed, her trouble. Because she had, she, had, she, had, she had trouble. I'm just describing her, her situation. She had, she had trouble. So she comes with her trouble. Touches Jesus. And then Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Jesus, are you not wasting time? Jairus' daughter is dying. She is dying. No, no, somebody touch me. Nobody touch you. Let's go. Jesus, you're wasting time. And if it was you, what would be happening to your heart and mind? Oh, Jesus, hurry up, hurry up. Jesus, Jesus, you're... People are around you. Jesus, I agree. Peter is right. People are around you. Come on, let's go. 
There is no record that Jairus was impatient. No record. That means he was patiently waiting. Hallelujah. Amen. What he's asking for, they're on their way for it. So he was patient. Hallelujah. In our walk with the Lord, let's learn patience. Sometimes you ask for certain things, but as you are going on the way, there are delays and setbacks. Delays and setbacks. If you have had any delays, I've come to encourage you. Don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. Still, wait on the master. There is no comment that Jairus was, was, was impatient. No, 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 no comment. So keep on waiting on the master. Praise God. God is good. But you see, there is something else. You might have been, you, you might be good at, at, at waiting. You might be good at being patient. It's, it's okay. And that's good. But the question is, are you able to handle hopelessness? Because Jairus was not only hit with impatience, he was also hit with, with hopelessness. As Jesus and the woman were talking, and the woman was telling how she spent all her money telling her story. Hey, Jesus has stood and is listening to the woman whilst his daughter is a dying. I'm in a hurry. I want my daughter to be healed. But he was patient. But in his patience, he hears the news of hopelessness. A messenger now comes from home and tells him. Verse 49. Hello? Verse 49. Whilst he was, with, whilst he was still with the master, a messenger came from the house and said, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Hopelessness. Dead. We may handle patience all right, but are we able to handle hopelessness? When what you are believing that he will help you do, now all hope is taken away. I'm speaking to you this morning. You were trusting God for something in this year, 2020. But things have happened in such a way that now hope for the reality of that thing is gone. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You see, the messenger made an assumption about Jesus. He says, Master, your daughter is dead. Trouble not the, trouble not the master. Indicating they saw Jesus simply as a rabbi. 
Simply as a good teacher, someone who could just teach. And then perform a little here, a little, a little miracle here and there. Little healings here and there. He's dead. They did not see him as anything more than, than that. Death has settled in. It's over. Don't bother Jesus. Don't bother Jesus. It's over. Let's throw in a towel. You put some things before God. God spoke to your heart. Or maybe God gave you a clear word. It might not be a clear word, but inside your heart, you know, you, you believe this is what God has impressed upon my heart that he's going to do. But the things around you tells you it is over. It is finished. Kaput. Throw it in a towel. What do you do? Hope is gone. Hope is finished. Don't bother the master anymore. It's over. You see, don't throw in the towel until the master says so. Until God himself tells you it is over. Don't sign the death certificate. Don't agree to say, yes, it is, it is over. Until the master declares. There are two people in scripture that God himself told clearly, don't bother me anymore. The first one was Moses. Moses. In, the, in Deuteronomy 3, 25 to 27, Moses was arguing with God. About going beyond the Jordan, seeing the, seeing the promised land. And God, has said, God, God said, no. You will not see the promise. And Moses was still pleading and begging God. And because he knows that God, with God, if you, if you press more, you know, God is a good God. So Moses kept pressing. And the Lord said, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this, of this matter. So God himself said, speak no more. The second one we have here is Paul. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Paul prayed to God about something and God told him, No, I will not take this thorn in your flesh. I will leave it there because my grace is sufficient for you. I'm leaving this thing in your life. Some people say it was, it was, it was, it was a sickness, it was whatever, it was whatever. But personally, I believe that it was the consistent beating wherever he was going, wherever, where, wherever, he, wherever he went. Thorn in his, everywhere he went, he was being beaten, being persecuted. God, this thing, why? The other apostles preach, they are not beaten. I, I almost spoke French. When, when I do it, I get beaten. Why? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So that the world will know that my power is strong in your life. I will let this thing be in your life. See, these are the two instances that we have here in scripture. So if God wants to say no, he knows how to say no. So when God has not spoken, don't give up yet. When God has not told you specifically, and you, and you can sense in your heart 
that God is not finished yet. Go with what the Spirit of God is prompting in your heart. Because the Spirit of God knows the mind of God and is speaking to you and is prompting your heart and is telling you, keep on keeping on. Don't give in yet. Keep on believing. Say, but it's, it's the last minute. So what? Keep on keeping on. Praise God. Praise God. So the messenger came and said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Forget about it. It's over. Forget it. You see, but the thing is this. Jesus had not even started with Jairus. He had not even started with Jairus yet. And should I tell you the good news? Should I tell you the good news? The good news is this. When you think that you were holding on to your own faith, when you think that the faith that you, were, that you, that you have is something that you are struggling to maintain, I've come to tell you that the Lord actually watches over your faith to make sure it stands. Listen, verse 50. The moment Christ heard, trouble not the master, your daughter is dead. The moment Christ heard it, verse 50, he answered, was he being spoken to? No. The message was to Jairus. But the master himself answered Jairus. He said, hey, fear not. Only believing. The phrase is, hey, not fearing. Be not fearing. Don't be entertaining fear. Don't be. Hallelujah. Some people tell me that, you know what? Fear is just okay. Fear is normal. I mean, I mean, fear is part of the human life. Yes, I understand. But when fear, this fear comes to contradict what God says he would, he would do, that fear is not a friend. It's an enemy. That means when they brought that news of hopelessness, Christ knew what was going to happen to Jairus. Fear was going to set in. Fear was going to kick in. What is fear? Fear is that mental awareness. It is, it is that mental awareness that comes upon you. That you are under the control of someone or something. And there's no hope for you. You get this sense of this mental awareness that you, you know what? I'm, I am under the power of so and so. Or uh, under the power of something. And there's no room. There's no way out. There's no escape. I'm here forever. It, says, it is fear. It sets it. And it grips you. And when it comes, it cripples everything that you can do. It, it cripples you. So the master quickly said, fear not. Only believe. Indicating that. Indicating that. All along, as they were traveling, his eyes was on Jairus. 
indicating that his eyes was on his faith. The belief he has put in him, he was watchful, he was mindful. So I'm come to tell you, when you put your trust in him, he's not left you on your own. He's watching over you. That is why he said he will not allow any temptation that is beyond you to come to you. But with every temptation, he will give you a way of escape. Indicating we are not on our own in this faith. We are not on our own in this faith. My Bible tells me he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12 2. He's the author and the finisher. He inspires it. He watches over it. He watches over it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you remember? In the gospel, Peter. Peter. At one time, he told Peter. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. That your faith fail not. Hello? He said, I've prayed for you. That your faith fail not. Hallelujah. I've prayed for you. That your faith fail not. And when you are strengthened, when you are strengthening, when you are strengthening, he said, strengthen your brethren. Praise be to God. He said, when you are strong, you strengthen your brethren. For I have prayed for you. To God be the glory. Oh, God is good. God is good. Come with me. Luke 22. Luke 22 verse verse 31. Luke 22 verse 31. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Do you see that? When you've got your faith in Christ, you are trusting God. His plan is to have you and to sift. Do you know what sift means? Sift means to put somebody in a sieve, to put something in a sieve, and then just shake it until everything just, basically to waste you. To waste you. But listen, listen, listen to Jesus. Verse 32. But I have what? I have what? That. 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 Thy faith what? Fail not. Indicating that he is concerned and mindful and guarding over your faith. So you thought that, oh, my faith is just mine. I'm guarding my faith. The Lord, no. The Lord himself. The Lord of Sabbath himself. The Lord God Almighty himself is watching over your faith. You say, my faith is little. He's watching over it. So my faith has become weak. He's watching over it. He's mindful. He's mindful. Whatever faith you have, you you put in him. He says, I have prayed for you. And your faith fail not. 
when we put faith in him, he cherishes it. He watches over it. You will not fail. You will not fail. Whatever temptation comes your way, he has promised he will give a way of escape. To Jairus, it was these words. Fear not. Only believe and she shall be made whole. That was a way of escape for him. Fear not. Keep believing. Hallelujah. Keep believing. He will sustain you. He will keep you. Praise God. He will watch over you. Glory be to God. He will not let you down. He will not let you down. He will sustain it. Your faith will not fail. You are wondering. I've come this far. I've come two years. I've come three years. Would I continue? Would I be able to go on? Would my faith stand? Precious one, be comforted. The Lord himself is watching over you. Ah, glory be to God. You see, when you exercise your faith in Christ, did you know that God wants you to please him? Hello? Did you know that God wants you to please him? And did you know that God is... God help me here. Is there anyone here who thinks that God has put you here on, here on this earth and has got a big book in his hands and has got bad good and is watching you and like a frustrated secondary school te teacher more concerned about giving behavior points and detention than praise. If you're a teacher, forgive me, but that's a fact. So, in, in the classroom, they are watching to see you some, do something bad. <clears throat> so they never see the good. At the end of the day, your, your son or daughter always has detention. Because all he did was just sneeze. Detention. <laughs> because the teacher is so frustrated. Looking to mark you down for bad behavior. Ah, God ain't like that. Our God ain't like that. Actually, the contrary. He's watching to see you succeed. Some of you think that you want to succeed more than God wants you to succeed. I've come to announce to you. He's, 
He created you for success. Filled you with his spirit for success. And he's forever looking for all the paths for you to walk on to succeed. He told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in day and night, so that thou shalt make thy way prosperous and have good success. So it is God's plan, intention, God's innermost desire that you succeed. That's the reason why in your quest for success, you cannot put God aside and strive on your own, struggling for nothing. When he's there to help you, when he actually put you here to see that you succeed. Did you realize, did you know that when you succeed, God's name is lifted? Did you know that? When you are successful, I'm talking about you. Successful where? In preaching the gospel? Yes. But successful, even in your schoolwork, if you do well, God is proud. God gets the glory. Hallelujah. Everything you do, as you are successful at it, God gets the glory. And who gets the shame? Satan. Why? Because he always wants to prove that God is not helping you enough. He wants to, he, he wants to make a mark that, you know, God is not doing anything for you. Like he told Eve, has God said, don't eat this? No, no, no. His words... We're short of using the word lie. When he said, ah, no, 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 it's not so. God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. So basically, he was, he was saying, ah, God, God lied. But my Bible tells me that God does not lie. God wants you to succeed more than you even desire. So if there's anyone to trust, it is him. If there's anyone to crave after, it is him. Is there anyone to be sold out to? Oh my goodness, I'm looking for Christians in this, in this day and age who will be so sold out to God. Amen. Your mind, your everything, every, everything that boils within you is saying, do you know what? I am going to stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. No matter what pressure the world puts on you, understand, precious one, there is something on the inside of you that will not bow. <laughs> There's something on the inside so strong, so powerful from God. That won't bow to evil. When I see evil, when I hear people talk and I smell and I see, this is sometimes you hear, you hear people talking and say, this is, this is lies. This is, this is evil talking. Then I realize there's something powerful on the inside that will not bow to evil. 
When they say it's impossible, you can't do it, tell them, I'll do it anyway. Whether you think it to be well or not, I will do it anyway. Hallelujah. You see, come with me. So finally, he gets through all that. He strengthens Jairus' faith and they keep on with the journey and they enter home. They enter Jairus' house and now they are in the house and we come to verse 51. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. You see, people in God, people in Christ, when we are in the kingdom of God, we don't really die, we sleep. Hello? We sleep. Thessalonians talks about sleep. Those who are asleep, they will wake up. And verse 53, and they loved him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. What am I saying here? This is what I'm saying. You see, he came in to the house, and the people were weeping. You know, in the Jewish in the in the in 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 those times that they lived in, in Pal in ancient Palestine, the the bodies of people were not put in like we put in certain places to cool the body and all that. So their body decomposed very very quickly. So when somebody dies, the, one of the first things they do is call in the mourners. They, they need at least at least two mourners, right? Usually there will be. Two people playing the instrument and then one, one woman wailing. But Jairus being a prominent man, he would have more in his, in, his, in, his, in his home. So before he even got home with Jesus, they already were called in the mourners. And they were playing the instrument and the women were wailing and wailing and mourning. He, he gets there and he gets, what? Mourning here? No. No. He's not dead. He sleeps. They go, oh, Jesus. And then, so, Jairus is going to say, Jesus, if you had come early, if this woman hadn't stopped you, the woman with the issue of blood had not stopped us, hey, we would have met her alive and healed her. But now she's dead. Oh, no, no, no. Just like he told Martha. Jesus Christ told Martha when, when he got to, to Lazarus' tomb. Sorry, Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here early, my brother would not have died. And he said to her, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though he was dead, yet would he live again? Oh, yes, I know in the resurrection. He says, no, I'm talking about right now. 
right now. You see, Jesus understood coming home to Jairus. Coming home to Jairus or coming home with Jairus meant not only to raise the daughter up, but also to do something. He knew the girl was going to die. He knew the girl is dead, but he was still going. Jairus didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know. Was he going to go there and then give them some words of comfort or what? They enter and the girl is dead. Dead. To the extent that the people are even laughing at Jesus. They laugh him to scorn. Making fun of him. What is this joker? The girl is dead. She's dead. Can't you see? But he said, weep not. Yes, you may have hit rock bottom. What you were hoping for has been dashed. The, the, the hope has been dashed. They sealed everything. The meeting is over. It's been decided. It is finished. The case is closed. They've written to you. They've closed the case. You've got the letter. You've read it. It's over. Finished. Hey, Jesus has the last words. Jesus has the last words. My Bible tells me that in Genesis, Abraham was told to go and sacrifice his only son. He took the boy, went to the mountain. The boy asked him, Father, here's a fire, here's a wood, but where's a lamb? And he said to the boy, the Lord himself, the Lord shall provide for himself a lamb for a sacrifice. They went to the mountain. The altar was laid. Isaac, being so obedient, saw his father and felt his father tying his hands. And know if it was a 21st century boy, say, Father, why are you tying me? No, 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 Father. No, 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 Father. But Isaac was still. Father tied him and put him on the altar. And Isaac saw what was coming. The knife was coming to slay him for God. And the father said, hold on, hold on, Abraham. Now I know that you fear me. In the eyes of God, Abraham sacrificed Isaac. It was a done deal. He did. In God's eyes, it was done. In the New Testament, we ask this question. Why was Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac? And the response was this. 
he had faith in God that after Isaac was dead, he was able to raise him up. Oh, you didn't hear me. Oh, goodness me. Abraham's faith, the reason why he went through the whole thing was that he believed that I, after Isaac was dead, because God said, I'll give you a son, and through him, I'll raise a mighty nation. So he knew that even if he killed him, he will raise him up. Someone, you're not getting me. What I'm saying to you is this. Hear this. Abraham's faith was beyond death. Did you hear me? Oh, come on. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't hear me. Abraham's faith went, was beyond death. Ah, you are not hearing me. Death, death could not silence his faith. silence Abraham's faith. His faith was beyond death. Death seems to be the thing that silenced all humans. But faith was beyond death. The Bible says our faith is a victory that overcomes the world. It was beyond death. Is your faith beyond death? Or the moment death sets in, your faith is crippled. Your faith is over. Can you believe beyond faith? Sorry, can you believe beyond death? That even when death shows up, he's faithful. He's still faithful. He's still faithful. He's still faithful. And will come through for you. You see, there is something I, I seem not to get away from the centurion and Jairus. Jairus' faith said, Jesus, I don't want just healing. I want you to come to my home. The home is a place where you sit with a person, have a meal. It's called fellowship. When a person comes to your home, they see things in your house. <laughs> and with Jesus when he comes home he will need to push some things out he will need to tell you to stop some things he will say things that may appear funny to you and you may even laugh about them but it is the truth when he got to Jairus' home the first thing he did was he pushed some people out of the room. Faith that calls the master home or faith that seeks for fellowship opens up to the master to kick some things out of the house. Some bad behaviors, some bad habits, some bad attitudes some nasty things when the master is at home he will kick them out he kick them out things that are not of faith those doubters he pushed them out he pushed them out and then you see they were weeping 
and said he sleepeth. Sorry, she she sleepeth, and they laughed him to scorn. They made fun of him. Yes, all those people he pushed out. There are some thoughts in your mind. There's a way of thinking, or your your mindset is like that. There's some things about God. When you hear those things about God in your mind, you laugh. You make fun of it. You make mockery of it. You see people praying and you make a mockery of it. You hear people believing in God and you make mockery of it. Sometimes people are a bit, you know, over the top in their joy and you make mockery of it. <laughs> but the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. to shout you ask yourself do we have to shout in a, in a church he says make a joyful noise he didn't say make a joyful silence a joyful noise unto the Lord so there are some things the faith that welcomes him for fellowship and relationship there are some things it is ready to push out life my question this morning is this do you have this kind of faith do you have the, the healing plus faith or the things plus faith the faith that just don't, doesn't just want things but wants fellowship and relationship with Christ Jesus this faith is always ready to say some things should go away throw them out because because they will hinder the glory of God. God's glory was about to be revealed. But these things can't stay there. He pushes them out. Did you see that? Did you see that? Verse, hello. Yeah. F 51. He suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John. Verse 54. And he put them all out. When he comes in, he takes over. <laughs> when, he, when he comes in for fellowship, he takes over. He begins to tell you things to put away, things to stop. And then he said, Made arise. So simple. Hello? And took her by the hand. The girl was lying down. Like that. Took her by the hand. I said, Maid, arise. Maid, arise. Maid, arise. Two words. Two words. Two words. Made arise. Sometimes we think that when we need to command certain things to happen, we think we have to use, we have to know 
all the levels, you know, someone, you know, before we can raise this girl, we need, we need to know what chamber in the spirit, we need to know the chamber he has reached. And we need to know the angel that's escorted. So, angel, angel ABAC, uh, in chamber 36, we command you from the fourth level and let the song that's being sung in the spirit. All that nonsense, not needed. Made! Sometimes we think our prayer is not being answered because we don't know the ins and nouns of all what's happened the medical story and the medical problem made arise made arise sometimes we burden ourselves too much in the faith and the enemy gets advantage because we are worrying oh, I don't know the medical problem I don't know what it's called what's the disease name it is a disease disease go in the name of Jesus period hello made arise and let that be enough hallelujah we don't need to know all the details of what is happening in the chambers of the spirit and guess what made arise and the next verse says and her spirit ah her spirit her spirit came again. The word came again means turned. <laughs> the, word, the word translated came again means turned. Means returned. So as she was going, where, where, wherever she was going, wherever she was going, when the master gave the command, made, arise, her spirit turned. Turned and straightway, and she arose straightway. Two simple words, but things were happening. She turned around. What is happening? You might not know all the details, but things do happen. But when the master speaks in your life, turn around oh be restored may you be restored and may you be made whole wherever you find yourself whatever circumstance you find yourself in may there be a restoration in the name of Jesus. Restoration. It looks like no match was done by the words made arise. But it caused his spirit to turn and come. And then he said, give her meat to eat. And her parents were astonished. That means they were not expecting this. And he charged them. But he charged them. That is, you tell no man. What? Tell no man? Why? This is the point we are coming to. I'll do this and I'll be done. Tell no one. Why? This great miracle, tell no one. This is his word for you. 
he allowed only Jairus, his wife, Peter, James, and John, and himself, six people, into the room. All the others who were weeping and wailing, he kicked them out. Jairus had put his faith in him. And all along, asking him to come home for fellowship. All the delay was deliberate. The time, it was all part of it. A child of Abraham, the master, wanted to reveal himself to Jairus. So all these things have been put together. So last minute he says, don't tell anyone. This is just for you. You say, ah, what a waste. No, no what a waste. Look at it the other way. Faith in him. The faith in him for fellowship, for relationship, has attracted something. When we have faith in him for fellowship and relationship, it attracts revelation. Oh, come on, you didn't, you didn't hear me. You didn't, you didn't hear me. Faith in God for fellowship and relationship attracts revelation of God. God's revelation is not for the masses. God does not reveal himself to doubters. God only reveals himself to those who come to him through faith and relationship. Is it in the place of relationship that God reveals himself? God reveals himself in the place of relationship, in the place of fellowship. That's where God reveals himself to you. You are wondering why you don't know God after 20 years of being in the Christian faith. It's because no fellowship, no relationship. You are going about doing your own thing. But the moment you decide to say, hey, from today, from today, I'm going to be intimate with him. The amount of insight and revelation you cannot handle. It will overflow in your life. You will abound with insight and understanding of the things of God. God wants to reveal himself. But are you ready? Are you ready for fellowship? Are you ready for relationship? There are many people who have been in the church. Church, Matthew Salas, but no revelation of God, no insight of God because there is no relationship, no fellowship. I've come to tell you today that if you want to experience God, when God reveal himself to you, you know, your, your faith must drive you into fellowship and relationship. Then God will reveal himself to you. For revelation comes through relationship. That's why he told them. To Martha, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. But to Jairus and the wife, I am he that raises the dead. If I'm not God, who am I? I am God. I raise the dead. 
world thinks they know you, but the world doesn't know you. You might think you know me, but probably you don't know me very well. Because the things inside of me that I can't share with you, that God has put there. You need to come to that same place. You ought to come to that same place of fellowship and relationship. And he revealed himself to you on the inside. You will walk out boldly. Walk with a fire. Walk with a rain. And you stand. When you fall, you will rise again. Powerful. 